The following program is brought to you by the Tennessee Broadband Association. Lead Tennessee Radio, conversations with the leaders moving our state forward. We look at the issues shaping Tennessee's future, rural development, public policy, broadband, health care, and other topics impacting our communities. And now, here's your host of Lead Tennessee Radio, Lavoy Knowles. Hello, and thank you for listening to Lead Tennessee Radio. This is not Lavoy Knowles. This is Andy Johns uh, stepping in for Lavoy on this episode, pinch hitting again here live at the Tennessee Broadband Association Annual Conference. Lavoy is uh, busy this week at the conference with a lot of different responsibilities. So we had a couple of speakers from this conference we wanted to be sure to talk with. And um, Lavoy had asked me to uh, host a couple of the podcasts in his stead. I'm joined on this episode by Jeff Raver, who is the executive leadership and sales coach with Begin to Win. Jeff, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Jeff uh, spoke yesterday on the um, uh, on leadership, which I thought was great to have him on Lead Tennessee Radio. Uh, and his presentation was sponsored by InnerSource, so we're glad that uh, glad that you were able to be here and talk to folks. Now, as I understand it, you your coaching or your normal session is about four hours, and you condensed that down to about forty five minutes yesterday. So yeah, that was, that was uh, a little bit of a challenge, but I just went straight to what's it mean to be a good leader, and eliminated a lot of the different steps of getting up to that. So, and you asked right off the top of the the session yesterday. To, for us to kind of define leadership, which is not something, you know, honestly, it was just something that I had not thought about a lot recently, but you said it all comes down to influence. It, it does. John Maxwell, who's um, probably recognized as a world-renowned expert on uh, leadership, he's written over 70 books, right. says that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And when you think of it that way, that really um, puts it all in a capsule. Definitely, definitely. And I thought one of the first things that you mentioned, um, you know, and you talked about the difference, which we'll get into about the position, somebody who's in a position of being a, um, a, a leader versus somebody who has uh, earned it or, or you know, is, is um, gotten into it. Uh, but, but you said, and this is something that I think is going to stick with me, if all you do is give directions, you're a road sign, not a leader, which I liked. Yeah, I saw that meme um, a couple years ago. And and I thought it was a cool quote. What really hit me is when I started uh, making a slide for my presentation, started putting road sign pictures up, I realized that road signs um, really only pertain and give us information until we're past that point. And so when you think of managers telling people what to do or bosses, they only get through that point and then it's done. It's, it's not relevant anymore. Um, and road signs are that way. Leaders and leading and coaching uh, your employees has to do with a much bigger story. It's, it's more like a GPS, okay, 10 miles down the road, make a left. And um, so, uh, yeah, I love that. If, if all you do is just give directions, tell people what to do, you're a road sign. And uh, most of us don't pay a whole lot of attention to road sign once we're past it. Absolutely. Now, I thought in the session yesterday, we had a really good mix, kind of looking around, knowing some of the people in the, uh, in the audience, that we had a few executive level folks in there, but a lot of other mid-level management folks, and then you know a lot of other kind of uh, early in their career folks in there. Who benefits from leadership training, and, and what are the different reasons why different folks in the organizational chart might, uh, might need to consider it? That's a great question. Um, 
I think everybody, uh, we just mentioned Intersource is sponsoring, uh, sponsored me down here as a speaker. And I had dinner with them last night, and we're incorporating a four-hour, four-module, one-hour-a-piece training on leadership that every one of their new hires, uh, no matter what uh, position they're in, no matter what um, group they're going to be in, will go through. So um, when you say, who benefits from leadership training? Everyone. We're, we're all leading somebody and influencing somebody in some way. And so understanding the principles of leadership, I think, um, will help anyone, no matter which level they are. Got it. What are some of the more common reasons why folks bring you in uh, to do coaching? Uh, is it normally when, they're, when something's on fire and there's a big problem? Or is there, are there a lot more folks that are, are proactive um, to get you in there before before the building's on fire? Yeah, I would say it's about 50-50. Half of my clients... Um, for the past six years are people who call me up and and say hey um, you know I need your help I've been recommended uh, referred to you uh, I moved one of my top installers up or I moved one of my top techs or one of my top salespeople into leadership uh, position now six months later uh, everything's falling apart and I you know he needs help I thought he would be a good leader uh, because he was good at what he did um, so that's about half of them. The other half are those who recognize that they need to take their lower management, middle management people, start training them in leadership because they have this goal of growing. Mm-hmm. And they know as they grow, those people are going to move up the ladder. And they want them prepared to be um, great leaders before they get in upper management. I think that's important, too. And, you know, I'm curious your your thoughts. But not always the best players make the best coaches, not always the best teachers make the best principals, not always the best salesperson makes the best sales managers. What are some of the things that you look at? I guess the first question is, can anybody be a leader? And then secondly, what are some of the things that you look for or that, that you've seen as indicators that somebody has a lot of potential to be, uh, be a strong leader? I think, um, you know, I always give a uh, leadership skills assessment uh, whenever I start coaching, consulting with different clients. And the big thing is, um, do you care about people? I mean, really, it's do you care about people? Uh, If you don't care about people, then you're not going to have value to them. You're not going to look out for them. And uh, the only way we can influence our employees and our team is if we they believe we care about them. And so I think that's the biggest trade is, do you care about your people? Do you care about your customer? Do you care about the company? And once uh, your team and your employees understand that you're looking out for them, then you can become a great leader. Now, I know that we're not going, this is not going to be a four-hour, four-module podcast, so I know we won't be able to get into all of it. But uh, when you got into the five levels of leadership, um, as I wrote them down yesterday, it starts off, position, permission, production, people development, and then pinnacle. Talk us through those kind of briefly, or, or what are some of the key takeaways for folks if they weren't able to be in the session yesterday? Um, talk us through those, if you don't mind. Sure. And I always start with level five and then start back down. Level five is um, you build a legacy, and most of us will never get to that. I, I call level five, that means they carved your face on a mountain, okay. or they're putting your face on uh, money, or they've named cities after you. And most of us will never get there. It doesn't mean we shouldn't strive for that. Sure. But um, so uh, 
let's talk about the first four. Sure. Level one is position. That means you got the title. And I always tell everybody, um, I can get online and order a thousand business cards for nineteen ninety nine that says I'm president of whatever I want to be. Right. 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 And um, when you are just a leader by position, a level one leader, people will only follow you as much as they have to. <clears throat> In other words, um, this is my job. This is what I'm going to do. Don't ask me to do anymore. Don't ask me to have a good attitude. Don't ask me to, to care. I'm just going to do because you're my boss. Sure. Level two takes it a step further. I'm going to follow you because I like you. Okay. And many times you'll find it's somebody who um, maybe you're on a bowling team with them. Uh, you play softball with them. Uh, it was a neighbor or a relative. And so you have a little more influence in a level one. But the challenge with level two is that um, with a level two leader, there's going to come a time where you're going to have to tell them something they don't like. Mm. And now if they're only following you because they like you, and now you tell them something they don't like to hear, you have to correct them, now you fall back to level one again. Level three is most of the coaches uh, or most of the leadership management people that I coach. Okay. Level three is what we were talking about a little bit ago. Um, they're going to follow you because of what you've done. You were a great salesperson. You were the number one in the company for two years. You're a great technician. You're, uh, uh, you're a great accountant. Uh, whatever division or um, the position is, you were very, very good at doing it. And usually you have six to nine months there that people will follow you. Okay. When you come in as a level three, the challenge is uh, six to nine months later, they're looking around saying, well, he was good at what he did, but he hasn't taught me anything. He hasn't made me any better. Okay. And now they start expecting you and when they uh, to do something for them. And when they realize it's not happening, you lose it. The honeymoon um, period is over. You yeah. lose that influence and you fall back to a level two or a level one again. Mm. Level four is where um, what I classify a great leader. At level four you now have the influence that people know that you're looking out for their best interest. They know that you care about them, the company, their family, and the customers. Hmm. They may question what you say or what you ask them to do, or if you make a change uh, in a policy or something, they may question it, but they'll always go ahead and do it because they know that uh, you've always got their back. You always uh, have interest for them. Uh, level four, as you know, is reproduction. Mm -hmm. uh, level four means I'm pouring into my team and trying to reproduce more leaders. Um, I think that's so important. Yeah, it is. I mean, if I can produce more leaders, then the company can grow. And, and that's when the magic happens. That's, uh, you know, I see companies and um, you know, mention Intersource again. When I started working with them five years ago, they had 25 employees. Uh, they're now nearing 150. Wow! But they've always poured into um, their their lower management, middle management people, and invested in uh, them and growing them. And they're, these same people's been with them since you know since they started, sure. and they're very loyal to them because they know they care about them. One of the words I've heard a lot at this conference is resilience and being resilient. And, you know, certainly after the year, year and a half that we have all uh, just gone through, resilience has been a key word, a key concept. You said yesterday that um, 
companies with lots of level four leaders are more resilient. Um, and I think everybody's looking for a little bit more resilience. So talk, talk through the relationship between leadership and resilience that we covered yesterday. I think that's a great uh, question. Um, I sat in on the HR module yesterday and, and, um, and there was one section of everything I sat in on yesterday was when she put that word up. That's a word of resilience that we never thought about a couple years ago. You're right. It just wasn't a, wasn't a, a word that came up. And uh, obviously through the last 15, 18 months, we've seen companies who were very resilient, who could change, who could adapt to uh, new things. And we've seen those that haven't, that have closed their doors. And I really do believe that resilience has to do with leadership. The more leaders you have, uh, the more, um, well, the more level four leaders you have, then the more loyal your people are. Um, and leadership, I think it's important to say, you don't have to have a management position to be a leader. Um, I, you know, I may not have a position open, but I can have a good leader and invest in them and they'll lead their team even though they don't have that title. Right. And so the more level four leaders I have, the more resilient I'm going to be as a company. Um, one thing I think we learned in the last 15, 18 months is um, about change. And no one likes change. And one thing that, um, uh, that I always repeat to all my clients is, I can't help you be comfortable with something you're uncomfortable with. And we're all uncomfortable with change. But I can help you become comfortable with being uncomfortable. Resilient people doesn't mean they like change, but it means they're willing to go ahead and try it. Hmm. And then I think that's the... Um, so... When we think of it that way, that defines resilience. It also defines leaders. I like it. That's a good, <clears throat> good connection for sure. So if you go to any bookstore, there, there's usually a big section on leadership or business leadership. So there's obviously a big appetite for people that want to get better. What are some ways, obviously there are leadership coaches uh, like yourself, but what are some things, if somebody's listening to this podcast and has got them thinking about being a better leader, what are some small steps that you, you normally give folks that they can, they can do right where they are, where, whatever position they are at the company? Um, what are some small steps people can take to become better leaders? I always tell everyone to start with, John Maxwell came out, uh, what's considered the Bible of leadership. It's used in MBAs around the world. It's the 21 Laws of Leadership. And uh, law number one is the law of the lid. Uh, then the second book is Developing Leaders Within 2.0 that he rewrote a couple years ago. That book uh, really uh, drives home how can I become a better leader? So Developing Leader 2.0 really um, is where I tell everyone, start there. Got it. You mentioned the law of the lid. Let's touch on that real quick, uh, because that, if I remember right from, uh, from the session yesterday, basically the organization can only be as good as the skills of its top leaders. Yeah. And so um, it, it really is about a skills assessment. Now, how good a leader are you? And based on, and there's all different assessments, based on 20, 25 questions, um, we get an average score. So let's say the average score between one and 10 is a seven then what John Maxwell says is the law of the lid says if the leader's skill set is a seven, the chances for the organization to be highly successful and they can never surpass a six. You cannot surpass the skill set of your leader. And um, that is very important to understand because then what that means is 
for the company to get better, the organization to get better, the department to get better, the leader has to um, increase his skill set. Got it. A couple more things for you here. How do you think we think about leadership differently now? And I'm not necessarily just talking about connected to COVID, but how have thoughts on leadership changed in the last 10, 15, 20 years? Uh, Are there ways that, that, does it take something different to be a good leader today than it used to? Are there some classic things that in any time period, I'm thinking that you you would need to be a good leader, but how have things changed in terms of the way we think about leadership? That's a great question. Uh, John Maxwell's uh, talked about 21 Laws of Leadership was written 25 years ago. Still used today as an MBA. It's, skills are basic. Now, it doesn't mean that some skills today we need more than we needed then, um, 20 years ago or 15 years ago, but the skill set really gets down to being a great leader, you have to care about your people. If we go back in history and we look at those people we consider great leaders, every one of them had the trait that they cared about people first, ahead of themselves, and they took care of people. people. Uh, making people better and adding value to people is a common cause and we could go back 50, 100, 200 years and you're going to find that trade in uh, almost every great leader. One of the things I've heard, and this will be probably the last question I have for you, but one of the things we've heard a little bit at this conference and and uh, more broadly across business is we're, we're hitting a point where a lot of baby boomers who are in those traditional, what people think of leadership roles, executive type roles, C-level uh, type positions, are getting to the point where they're retiring. And we've got, um, you know, we've got a lot of the telcos here, I would say they probably reflect um, some of those same trends where they're looking at um, you know, the, the aging of their, uh, their leadership. And they may be looking and saying, um, you know, who's gonna replace this group? What, if, if you come in, and I'm sure that you have, have faced that plenty of times in coaching, what are some things organizationally um, that you think they can do if, if they're kind of looking, looking ahead a few years and saying, hey, we need a new crop of leaders here at our organization? Yeah, as I mentioned yesterday in the, um, in the talk, um, the great companies, uh, the Google and Apple, and, um, you know, and it can go down to whatever small company, is always looking for future leaders doesn't mean, it may mean five years, seven years down the road, three years down the road before they ever moved up into a, a leadership role, but they start looking for future leaders and start pouring into them. They start investing in them. Uh, Google and Apple and Microsoft all have um, um, a future leaders program and they're immediately trying to identify future leaders and start grooming them and pouring into them and adding value to them so that when the time comes that they need to move someone up, they have a pool and then that pool also understands the company or organization's culture. Got it, because like you said yesterday, it's, it's a lot tougher to bring somebody in who's gonna get that than, than somebody who's, who's grown up in, in a, a system. Well, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to cover that we didn't get to? We, we covered a lot of ground. I know it's a, it's a, it's a big, broad topic. Was there anything else that, that I didn't ask you that I should have or anything else that you wanted to get into that, uh, before we wrap up here? Um, as I said yesterday, I always like to end all of my talks, my podcasts, my trainings, my coaching, um, and ask people to turn a mirror on themselves. Where are you as far as a leader? Are you a level one, two, three, or four leader? 
uh, if you're in that position? And what are you doing to pour people into people and add value in creating uh, future leaders? Because as you said, the time will always come. We're going to need another leader. That's true. Well, Jeff, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. He is Jeff Raver. He is the executive uh, leadership and sales coach with Begin to Win here at the uh, Tennessee Broadband Association Annual Conference. Um, And you've been listening to Lead Tennessee Radio, produced by the Tennessee Broadband Association, cooperative and independent companies connecting our state's rural communities and beyond with world-class broadband. Thanks for listening.